0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here. Jamal Collier, our MLB.com Nationals reporter, as well as spring training rolls on for this Nats team. And we'll look at some different things. Matt Wieter's coming along. Um... We've seen some cuts in the last week as well um, and some signings. A little bit of everything around this Nationals team. But let's start with action on the field as far as Grapefruit League action goes. Steven Strasburg was on the field pitching on Monday, looking pretty good. Five strikeouts over four innings. He did give up a couple of runs, but he sounds like he's right where he wants to be at this point in the spring. Yeah, yeah I
0: think that's definitely an encouraging thing as well for Steven because, you know, first of all, the biggest thing with him always is health. And can they keep? You know, can he stay healthy? Can he, can he you know, can he keep him healthy through, uh, you know, an entire season, the entire spring is kind of the question. Um, but especially when you think about where Max Scherzer is right now, still with the question mark that kind of is his finger. If he's not going to be ready to go opening day, then Strasburg is kind of the guy that's going to be right in line, you know, behind him to take that spot. Um, so he's still kind of working out the kinks of pitching out of the stretch, kind of full time now, and you know, just got to get more and more comfortable with that as he, you know ditches the wind up and, and does that, you know, as, uh, with each and every start. But um, so far, so good. He says he's not losing any velocity. He's not really losing any command or, or any of his stuff, and moving on his stuff so far, uh, going full from the stretch. So, you know, he seems pretty happy with it and seems pretty committed to where he's going. So, so far, been pretty much encouraging signs for Stephen here in the first couple of
1: starts in spring training. Obviously, that is a sizable adjustment, losing that windup, but it's pretty neat that he doesn't lose anything. On the pitches you mentioned, Scherzer and a sim game on Sunday. He threw a couple mm-hmm. of innings in that, and it sounds like he's starting to get to that point where he's on track, and, and we're heading towards him getting regular game action, and eventually finding his way into this rotation. Whether or not it's on opening day, I guess that's yet to be determined.
0: Yeah, so that, that's really where we are, right in that kind of borderline here, where we have still got time, but there's also kind of slowly, you know, uh, losing time here. So the thing for Max, next step is going to be a minor league game where they can, again, kind of control things for him a little bit better uh, and have him in an environment where they can they can manipulate it a little bit. Um, and, you know, then after that, you would think the next step is to kind of get to great pro league games. Um, you, you talk about the start of the regular season for opening day, yes. You know, the timeline is very kind of small here at this point. Uh, it's only about, you know, a little under three, a little over three weeks I think it is left. Um, but really you don't need a fifth starter probably in that first seven or ten days with the off days kind of built into the schedule. So I think the thing that the Nats might be looking at for Max is to have him ready, maybe start the season necessarily on the DL, but maybe have him spend 10 days, have him spend a couple of days uh, where you don't need that starter just yet and have him, him pitch maybe a week or so into the season. But um, again, they haven't started figuring that out just necessarily yet. Um, but so far, so good. Max is, is starting to throw and build up his, his inning and his pitch count um, with the uh, you know still, still using the modified grip on the fastball, but is making some sort of progress right now.
1: Obviously, with the Matt Weider signing late in the offseason, Jamal, the the catcher position became interesting and a little too full, and it sounds like Derek Norris is on waivers. They put him on waivers over the weekend. Um, it's, it's a weird situation where they bring in a catcher, and then it ends up being they can kind of get a better guy, and then Derek Norris is the odd man out. Uh, how do you see this playing out over the next week?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think probably it's somewhere a little sooner than that that we're going to kind of figure out what Derek York's future is. Um, you know, if, if he is, is out by Wednesday uh, for the NAS they can kind of save, I believe they only have to pay him one-sixteenth of his salary, or one-sixth, I believe, of his salary, um, which comes up to about around $700,000 or so. Um, so it could just be a huge saving for them. They just kind of end up outright cutting him. They haven't really had any success as far as trying a way to trade him so far. Um, you know, just obviously teams knowing that they're going to have to unload him at some point uh, doesn't really give them a whole lot of leverage. So, uh, like you said, a weird situation that Derek has, just, you know, for all accounts, kind of handled really well. And they've been really impressed, I guess, with just his professionalism and the fact that he really has, uh, you know, made the best of an awkward situation, to say the least. But um, I would guess that here, especially as we wind down in the spring training, you know, only only one catcher can go at a time. So you got a guy like Matt Weathers. They've obviously got to get ready on kind of an accelerated pace. They still have to have Jose Lobaton get in there and get his reps. Pedro Severino is a guy who could help potentially uh, at some point this season in the majors. So they haven't. They still have to get these guys ready and, and get them innings in at bats as well, uh, and innings and, and behind the plate and get them comfortable with the pitching staff. So I think at this point, it's just too many catchers to really go around. I think that's why Norris is. Future here would probably be settled. Yeah, definitely not in the next couple of days. Uh, you know, right after that, that you know we'll see exactly where he lands. It's
1: an it's an interesting case because he's an arbitration case that they only have to pay yeah. one sixth of his salary. So, how does that work, Jamal? When he eventually, and I'm sure he's going to sign with another team, and it won't take a lot of time because here's a guy who has a proven track record that he can hit and play behind the plate. Um, will that team then end up? paying the rest of what his arbitration salary was going to be?
0: It's a good question. Um, I believe then at that point he just becomes an outright free agent. Okay. And at that point then somebody would have to sign him to just an entirely new deal, Um, depending on what that would be. But I'm actually not uh, – yeah, I I would think it's that, because it's almost essentially like like, if you're non-tendering the guy, but you had agreed to tender him and paid him a little bit. I, I don't, not specific on that, but I'm almost sure that he then just becomes a free agent and they have to then sign up to a new contract.
1: It's just one of those cases that you really rarely see when a team's agreed yeah. to an arbitration deal and then lets the guy lose. So certainly something to keep an eye on and we'll figure out, we'll learn something about the way all this stuff <laughs> works in Major League Baseball as this plays exactly. out. So that obviously brings us straight in to Matt Weeters, who is a little behind as far as getting ready. And you mentioned he needs to get the innings in and, and that sort of thing. Where is he right now? How does he feel? And is he going to be ready to go by opening day?
0: Yeah, you know, I would think right now he's still on track for opening day, but it's still early. I mean, he's only you know, he played on Sunday for the first time, played again on Monday. But, um, you know, he just kind of hasn't hasn't been out there a whole lot. Now, he's a guy who, um, you know, said he probably needs about 20, 30 at-bats or so from each side, I believe it is. And uh, you, you look at – trying to get him into to games. And Dusty's also saying we can't play him for full games at this point. I mean, his body's kind of not ready and used to that either. So, um, it's going to be a, a weird kind of accelerated pace, you know, for him. I think one of the things he said is, is nice is that as far as learning the pitching staff goes, the Nats have a pretty veteran staff that know exactly what they want to do or have an idea with how they want to attack hitters at the plate anyway. So it's not like he's you know having to learn a staff and coach a bunch of young hitters through all games. These guys know how to work through a lineup and work through a lineup two or three times. So um, he thinks that part will be a little bit you know, more easy, and then he may kind of let the pitchers kind of call and rely on them a lot more early in the season uh, before he truly gets comfortable. But, um, you know, so far, like I said, at least the positive is that he's in the game and starting to kind of get his work in and get going. But um, you would think as, as far as everything goes that he should be ready for opening day at this point.
1: We talked about Kota Glover really before spring training even really got going yeah. and about the fact that he's a guy who has this – Powerful arm uh, upper 90s fastball, and really a guy the organization thought eventually had closer stuff now we've gotten a chance to see him throughout spring training Jamalin, and, and I guess nothing none of that has changed but how does he now fit into the conversation of a late inning role as opposed to the thought of him being good before he was actually out there doing it in grapefruit league action
0: yeah I mean what they've seen in grapefruit league action has been nothing short of impressive he's probably been. You know, the single most impressive relief pitcher they've had so far. Um, just Everything looks exactly like it did when he came up and, 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 you know, started so hot to shoot up through the minors. And he's got the, the lights out slider, the fastball. Um, he's got everything kind of working right now. It looks looks really good. You know, there was a question mark there when he got hit at the end of the season, um, and it kind of revealed that he had torted Labram in his hip to say, okay, how much of this was hindering him, and that's why he got hit, or how much you know, had people just kind of figured him out. And I think that, you know, right now you can point and say, well, that hit probably was really bothering him. And that's really why he, he kind of struggled down the stretch last year. So, um, you know, do I expect him to be named a closer at that opening day at this point? That's probably still not, uh, you know, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think he's still kind of fighting to, to, to make the team in some ways. But I think also, you know, he's a guy that, that if he keeps this up and, and, and it's healthy, that he's uh, certain for the bullpen and going to play an important role still late in the innings for them. Um, and then the biggest thing, a lot of people have kind of said this as well, is that if they get to a point mid-season where, you know, they, they've got the question mark still, that closer isn't kind of solidified, but this P's a guy who's if he's pitching well and pitching like this, they may slide him into it, um, you know, at some point in June or July. So, again, getting ahead of ourselves at this point with him. But right now, uh, he looks very good, and they're kind of really optimistic that's exactly what he could be. Uh, and develop into here over the next couple of months and couple of years.
1: Yeah, 23 years old. You would think there's definitely some closing to uh, to see from him down the road at some point in his future. Uh, speech, speaking speaking yeah. of young arms, Eric Fetty, another guy that looks good. He's not a guy that's going to be on the roster, I would think. But but the future again, looking looking forward for for an arm, Eric Fetty looks pretty good this spring.
0: He does. Uh, you know, you know, once Ciolito and, and Lopez kind of got traded, he kind of moved up the depth chart here a couple of, of rungs as well. So he's a guy who's who, like you said, probably not going to make the opening day roster. There's really not a spot for him. They want him to start. Uh, he's never pitched a Triple A just yet, but um, you know he's a guy that if he he probably starts the season somewhere at Syracuse and could potentially if he pitches well, we may see him somewhere in midsummer or somewhere if there's an injury uh, to kind of step in and, and, and fill a role and get some starts. But um, yeah, very very encouraging from what they've seen from him so far. And I think, like you said, it's, it's a guy who, if he continues to progress and build, could be somebody who. Uh, they think can be a rotation mainstay here going forward.
1: One more question for you, Jamal, and it's we're going to kind of hit the way-back machine here. The the Nationals have signed John Lannon to a minor league deal. Uh, Here's a guy who pitched six years for the Nationals in 2007 to 2012, and I, I think most people maybe have forgotten this guy through opening day in 2009 yeah. and 2010. Hasn't pitched in the majors since 2014. He spent some time in, in the high minors, also some time in independent ball over the last couple of years. Um, obviously, he's trying to hang on, and a team that has a relationship with him in the Nationals is giving him a chance. Kind of a feel-good story, though.
0: Yeah, really interesting story to see. Exactly, kind of, can he revitalize his career and, and make a return here? Uh, you know, the reports is that he potentially that the Nets are going to try to reinvent him a little bit and make him a submariner. I don't know how exactly, uh, you know, he may taste it at, or what makes them think that, that that's a good fit for him. But it's going to be interesting to see, um, can he really, can he rebuild himself as a reliever and kind of make it back to, you know, where it all started uh, with the Nets. But like you said, a guy who, who made two opening day starts with them and back when this was the Hunter lost team and a new team, a uh, new franchise was, was you know one of their their kind of premier pitchers or one of their better pitchers? So um, yeah, really really kind of a neat chance for a story if he can he can make it. It's gonna be minor. He's in minor league camp, I should say right now, and still has a ways to go. You know if and when he ever pitches on a mound at Nats Park. But um, you know, right, just a cool signing in general, just to see you know what does he have left and the organization. I'm sure is, is, is you know obviously familiar with him and, and sees the potential. He's still only late like 31 or 32 years old. So. Uh, not an old guy by any means, and it'll be fun to see exactly what uh, what becomes of
1: this. Yeah, we'll see. He's in, like you said, minor league camp. No invite to major league camp, but we'll see uh, where this plays out down the road. Maybe the last chance for John Lennon to get back to the major leagues. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Nationals edition. For Jamal Collier, I'm Tim McMaster.